Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. I want us to read John 21. Someone can open John 21. Uh, I want us to read from verse 1 to 14. Another one can open Acts 1, 1 to 11. And then I will read Genesis 3, 1 to 13. In Genesis 3, that's where I chose the topic for today. Genesis 3, God comes looking for Adam and Eve and he simply asks them, where are you? And so I sense in this day to day, this Easter Sunday, um, the question is, where are you? And I love that question because uh, it's God who is asking. It is not man. It's not a prophet. It is not um, anyone else other than God. And one of the things I love about this season, I, I always do it every Easter, but it almost seems become an religion. I always trace the footsteps of Christ all the way from Palm Sunday when he enters majestically into Jerusalem. Mpaka the time he comes back, like he's, he, he's risen. I love that tracing because it shows you his life, the things he went through. It shows you the difficulties that he encountered. But more than that, it shows you his strength, not just as God, but as man. The amount of atro atrocities that he went through for him to get to the place he got to are powerful. And so I always begin with the Palm Sunday because he comes in and you know very well before he even gets to the donkey, he sends his disciples and tells them, guys, there's two donkeys somewhere over there. Get the donkey and the, the baby, bring them to me. I, I need to get to Jerusalem on one of them. He gets on them, he walks into Jerusalem, and guys, you know how they welcome him. Hosanna to the King of Kings. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They are rejoicing. But on the back of his mind, you can imagine, he knows these very same people that are shouting Hosanna are the same ones who will say crucify him. So he knows that. So Palm Sunday is amazing. He comes in. One of the most powerful scenes I see of him is when he overlooks Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives on the donkey. He cries for Jerusalem because he knows on one hand he will be suffering this whole week. But on another hand, he sees the destruction of Jerusalem. Manajua, in the future, when Nero comes in, Jerusalem will be destroyed, the temple will be messed up, and then the children of Israel will be under so much, so much anguish. On the Monday, we are told that he goes to the temple. If you read the scriptures very well, this is the day he goes and beats up people who are doing business in the temple. And I said, guys, don't you understand that the temple of the Lord is a place of prayer, but you guys have turned it to a den of thieves. And so he goes in there and he's, he's, he's angry. He cares less. He knows his time is almost there. This is not this, those times like before where he would do something. Don't go and tell others. No, no, no. He, he's in the open. And I say, ah, ah. This temple of mine is a place of prayer, but you've turned it to the buyer. So he beats them up. And so on Monday, that's what he does. On Tuesday, we are told, he goes by a fig tree which he did on Monday, by the way. Aliona a fig tree that was not able to bear fruit and cast it 
on Tuesday they pass by the fig tree and they see the fig tree actually has no fruit in it and the disciples are in amazement this guy and this is Jehovah he's told them he's the Christ but they're actually surprised that this same same Christ can still do things like this he can cast trees and they dry up but then he goes to the temple and in the temple they're almost trying to catch him again remember the Sanhedrin were in the space of always trying to put a trap a trap where they're looking at him and saying we have to catch this guy He's taking too much. He's taking so much following. He doesn't like what we're doing in the temple. He's not a friend to us. He's not encouraging the things we're encouraging, especially in terms of religion. He has to go down. And so in the temple, he gets there and they are against him. And this is the place he looks at them straight in the face and says, you brutal vipers. Who bewitched you? Who, who is this person? that came and showed him these many negative things. Why don't you understand that you cannot just wash the, in, uh, the outside of the cup and leave the inside very dirty? You are the same cups. And so he really rebukes them, almost pointing to the fig tree. Like if you are not fruitful, basically what he's telling, even the Sanhedrin, the priests, if you're not fruitful, you'll be destroyed. You'll be cut down. Productivity will be nowhere. And so that happens on Tuesday. In the Tuesday afternoon, and under the Mount of Olives, and he gives that olive discourse, the famous one, where he tells them of the end of times, how ministers of the world will be like this. Um, the ab- abomination will come at the temple. So many things he shares. On Wednesday, we are told nothing in the scriptures. This is a day where the church normally takes to do a lot of prayer and fasting, solitude. A lot of meditation on the word of God because nothing is told in the scriptures on Wednesday. But being that he was in Jerusalem and Lazarus, his friend, was very close, some scholars assume that he was very close to the spaces of Kina, Lazarus and the like. But then nothing is told to us. On Thursday, we know what happens. This is when now they go and perform the Last Supper. He tells his disciples very early, guys, the Passover is coming. The ceremony that we normally celebrate as believers and so please please go and find a room an upper room there's a place i have called someone i have already talked to him about it go prepare it i will come in the evening and then we'll celebrate the passover so he comes in and celebrates but the first thing he does he teaches a service by washing the disciples feet something that is replicated in so many areas in our space today so anafanya evil and then they take the, the, the passover meal together they sing a hymn, and we know that in that evening, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so begins the difficult process of his journey to the cross. Judas, we know, comes in at the Garden, points him to the soldiers he has from the Sanhedrin and the council. They take him. He goes in into the spaces of Pilate and Herod. They crucify him early Friday morning, remember? The Bible tells us it's about 9 o'clock in the morning. He stays on the cross all Friday from 9 o'clock to about 3 o'clock. But we remember, we are told, that at 12 o'clock it goes dark. And for three hours, the whole Jerusalem, the whole area, need dark. Very powerful. I think, personally, it was God showing his, maybe, sadness over what was just about to happen over the life of his son. And then at 3 o'clock, we know he gives his last breath, he dies, 
and then at six o'clock they get him down, put him in the tomb, and then Saturday he's dead. One of the most difficult things to tell believers today is that a whole day, Saturday, Christ spent dead in a tomb. We don't like remembering that. We like to say, oh, Jehovah, yes. But he was dead on Saturday. He lay there, did nothing. He was just in there. But then Sunday morning, here we are. Squeeze to me, peleka ni nyama ni mbuzi it is. But he resurrects. He comes in and gives us new life. It is because of what he has done that now we can celebrate. One of the things I want to talk about today, especially with the topic of where are you, is because one of the things I love that Christ did is even after resurrecting on Easter Sunday, he stayed with us for 40 days. We have just read in the book of Acts that after resurrection, he was in the world for 40 days. And most of the time, the first time I ever read this, I wondered, okay, what? why stay back? Why sit there for another 40 days? You've been, he, he's been with us for almost 34 years. 33 and a half, they said. But he decides for another 40 days after resurrection, I'm going to stay, stay back. And so I've always wondered why. Jehovah, you've empowered the disciples. They know exactly what to do. They are almost understanding now you are God. So what's the issue? Why stay back? Why is it there? And that is our topic of discussion today. And so, I believe with all of my heart that even in 2019, today, Christ is still asking the question, even to his believers, where are you? He's looking for us. The reason I shared the book of Genesis chapter 3 is because we understand that because of what Adam and Eve did in the garden, the sin, the taking of the fruit from the tree that they were not supposed to, they now have knowledge of good and evil which was not God's plan. Then they do it and find themselves in a space where they understand they've done wrong. God comes into the space to look for them, but he cannot find them. They are hiding. And then he asks the strong question, where are you? If you understand what happened in the book of John 21, what we've just read, Jesus has come in and finds Peter and his friends, some of the disciples, fishing. This is after Resurrection Sunday. Because with Resurrection Sunday, they've seen him already. If you remember the, how the thing went, the ladies first saw him. Mary Magdalene, if you remember, goes with the ladies. And they, something interest, there's something very interesting. They are carrying spices. Going to see Jesus, the body, not the Savior. One and one Jesus, he's dead. This is early Sunday morning. Scripture at Rambia, they're carrying spices to embalm him. He's dead. So they want to just care for the body, clean it up, make sure it doesn't, it's not stinky. So they get there, but they can't see anything. We understand from scripture after that, he speaks to Mary because the others have gone. Mary decides to stay back and he speaks to her. Rambia, it's me. We know very quickly after that, he meets the disciples when they're in a closed room somewhere. Eleven of them. Remember, Judas is dead by now. He shows himself. Now, guys, fear not. It is I. After that, we understand very well. 
he even shows himself to the two that were on their way to Emmaus. Remember Cleophas and his friend. They can't even recognize him because he walks with them, talks to them about what is happening, asks them what is the issue, shares with them the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New, and it is only when he sits them down and shares almost something like a communion is when they go, it is Christ, and then he disappears. We understand that before Jesus meets these disciples fishing, he has revealed himself to the disciples many times. Remember even to Thomas. The first time he meets the disciples, Thomas is not there. So he says, ah, I cannot believe until Nione, this Jesus we know about. And then eight days later, we are told in scripture, Jesus shows himself again to the disciples when Thomas is there. So, why is he around? Why? Why is Jesus taking all this time to sit with his disciples, to show himself around, to walk around, to speak to the women, to speak to the two on the way to Mouse, to speak to the disciples. And I believe it lies in what we have just read. Number one, I actually think he shows himself, actually believe, because it is scripture. It is written in the word of God, the son of man shall die, but he shall rise again. In the whole writing of the Old Testament, it is shown all the way from the books of the prophets to the very end of the minor prophets in Malachi. We see that and we see it powerfully. And so when he tells them, even reminding them of Jonah and how he slept in the belly of um, the whale for three days and three nights, and in the same manner, he will do it. He has to fulfill scripture. Jesus came, he tells us in his word, to fulfill the will of his father. And so he does that powerfully, even in resurrection. That is scripture. Number two, he does it simply to remind us that there is work for us to do. In the month of March, at Narubchapo Lepakas, we were talking about going, the Great Commission. Jesus came to remind us that the work of saving the world is still there for us to do. As believers, we cannot sit quietly and see the world dying and do nothing. And so the second reason is he is telling us, guys, I have come back to remind you of the work that we are supposed to do. When before he left, he tells everyone, go to all the world. Go, go, go. Why? Because the world is still dying. And so I believe he came back to do that. But it is the last reason that I really enjoy. The third reason is Jesus came to help us with our doubts. If you look at the life of Thomas, for example, Thomas was not available when Jesus showed himself the first time with the disciples. But the second time he's there. And so when we find him, he finds Thomas at a place of doubt. And I believe it is for most of the disciples. They've been with him for about three years. But yet for some reason, even the women, remember, they have spices going to see a resurrected Christ, which shows you these guys are not believing. This guy told us that he's going to arise the third day. But I don't think so. Watch at 22 Naima and spices because Kama Mekufa 
ako hapo they do not believe what he said if we look at the disciples even peter himself do you remember that he denied christ three times one of the things that happens with doubt eh? doubt gives birth to fear and you notice it in your life the moment you doubt you like hmm so you know fear slowly creeps into your spirit and the moment fear overwhelms your spirit destruction follows death because the problem with fear is it now makes you the god you turn to yourself to sort yourself out and i believe christ comes for that because if you stay in that place of you being the god eventually the bible says you will die because sin is a manifestation of fear ish which leads you to destruction to a place of just total annihilation and so he comes in at a time that is powerful he we find him looking at peter and the fishermen and what is interesting your place to mesoma john 21 you find jesus asking the same questions he was asking these guys before he took them on as disciples do you remember when he first met peter he got on peter's boat and asked him so guys uh, where is the fish and peter goes maze we've been uh, fishing all night and we couldn't find anything and so right now uh, we are just waiting then he tells them hey, let's go try over there and peter gets all these fish and is like hey imagine savior rabbi i am a sinful man stay away from me jesus tells him eh eh i want to make you fishers of men he does the same thing at the end he finds them fishing imagine these guys jesus is around for almost 40 days but he's not with them every day like before he's speaking with one over there two walking over there the women over there so he is all over the place so i i i, I actually believe that this guy's got to a place where they went like you know what i think it was uh, okay to mekana yesu for miaka 3 miaka 4 it's time sasa to go back to what we know and jesus apo kwa hiyo place they are thinking of this shows up and he's like so hi guys eh uh, do you have any fish and they are like apana imagine we've been fishing all night same story again how they could not see it was him i still don't understand as caller said because of his beatings his face you know was disfigured he still had the marks in his hand the marks in his feet he was kind of different but you know even if you if you stay with someone for 3 years hata kikato hivi kuna venye najua tu ni 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 wini ni wini ni nani but he could not and then they said the same thing we been meeting all night but apparently eh atwezi pata then Jesus is like eh so you try over here and they get the fish we are told 153 to be specific it was so much but for some reason the net did not tear and then Jesus tells them now this is the change this is the different part in this thing that he did before anaambia kujeni okay niwaandalia ka breakfast up najua mko na njama ka the whole night he knew and he sits with them and starts opening up the fish it's amazing that he prepares the food for them he prepares the food and now they mikate hapo and then they eat and then they are like john looks at this guy and asema haya guys it is him 
it is Christ. You know, maybe because of the, how he did the Last Supper. You know, Jesus broke the bread and he, there's a time he gave five loaves and two fish. So something connects and they know. Christ in his entirety is addressing the issue of doubt. To me on the scripture, yes. To me on the great commission, yes. But he's addressing their doubt. Ana uliza Peter, Peter. I need you to go feed my sheep. I told you before, I called you to be a fisher of men. And the beauty about Christ is he comes right in the midst of their doubt. We are actually told that these guys, even after fishing, they were still purpose to go. This is what they do. But Jesus comes there and sits down with them, talking to them, breaking bread with them, making for them fish. He is literally telling them the kingdom of God supersedes all provision that you need. It is what I have called you to do that will sustain you. Seek ye first the kingdom and all these things will be added. He is telling them if you live in your doubt, your fears, you will die. Dio, you might even become a millionaire. You might even become the richest man in the world. But if it's not according to my will, I kid you not, you're going to be destroyed. This is the season. That is what we remember. God is still asking the question, where are you? Are you in the place of doubt? But Christ, when he gives a word, he does not go back to him. It's like a gift. When he gives it to you, it's up to you to either walk in it or do your own thing. He does not want fear to overwhelm you in any way or sense of the word. Because when fear now overwhelms you, it takes you to the place of destruction, the place of death. Because you'll get to yourself, you'll start doing things by your own, there will not be things according to the will of God, and then eventually sin and die. He does not want that. He's told us in his word, I've given you the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Fear is not our portion. So if there is any place in your life right now, including myself, that doubt is overwhelming you, I pray in the name of Jesus that you take on the fullness of Christ. Ask him to fill you with his power, his love, and his sound mind. Jesus died and rose up from the dead to remind us that there is nothing in this world, nothing whatsoever, that can kill you Nothing. If it's not him and his will, he even does the New Testament. Yes, they can kill your body, but your soul is mine. Your spirit lives with me. I am the giver of life, not human beings. So be encouraged today. But remember, Tafadali, that he came to fulfill the scriptures. So the scriptures must be very important to us. We must take them to heart. We must walk with them. Write them on our doorpost, the book of Deuteronomy tells us. Teach them to our children because they will guide them. It tells us in the book of Psalms that the scriptures helps the young man to walk a straight path. The young man to stay away from evil, of nastiness. It helps the young man. So scriptures must be here. Number two, we have to continue doing the work of God. 
He came to save the lost. He came to bring hope to the dying world. So he rose to remind us that. Never forget. And number three, it should empower your, your fear. The doubts in your life should not, should not continue living there. And if they are there, you should raise them.